This is a podcast from Hope Church Gainsborough. For more information, visit www.hopechurchgainsborough.co.uk. Um, all week this week in the uh, in the early morning Bible studies um, at camp, um, I had the privilege of um, being part of of running that group, um, and we were looking at being more like Him, more like Jesus, more like Him in all that we do. Um, as Alistair shared this morning in the breaking of bread, that we're to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher, the author and perfecter of our faith says who the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the Father. And this morning, joy is where I want to focus. Joy is where I want to find where we can be perhaps tomorrow morning or the week ahead that we can be more like him and we can have more joy. And when we think around Jesus, it, it, when you think about him and, and his ministry, particularly um, in the, the last few years of his life before he was crucified and then rose again and returned back to glory, when we think about his life, I would encourage you to have a look because when you think about how he lived, there was nothing I can see that brought him more joy than doing his father's will. Doing his father's work. What brought Jesus joy was being on mission for his father. Being on mission, doing what God had called him to do. Doing his father's work. He was absolutely, as we can see through the scriptures, he was a man on mission. But I would also argue this, that Jesus wasn't always happy. Jesus wasn't always happy. Have you ever thought about that before? That Jesus wasn't always happy. But the question is, how can we be joyful as Jesus was joyful and we want to have more joy? How can we be more joyful yet not necessarily happy? The Bible tells us in John eleven thirty five, one of the shortest verses or, or coined as one of the shortest verses in scripture. Jesus wept with a full stop. Not a happy moment when his best friend, when his friend Lazarus had died. An awful moment and his humanity allowed him to be fully human yet fully God. And therefore in that moment he wept. Also in Luke twenty-two forty-four, where Jesus is in the garden and he goes off from the disciples. And there in anguish he sweats blood. That's anguish, that's turmoil, that's heartache, that's not happy. They're two very famous examples, I guess, of Jesus not being happy. Yet I believe that these and all the other circumstances that Jesus found himself in, not a single one of them affected his joy. Not a single one of them affected his joy. And we're going to ask, hopefully this morning, in the short time that we have, how and why for him, why didn't it affect his joy? How did it not affect his joy? And then the same for you and me today. How can we be in a position where the circumstances surround us don't affect our joy? How do we do that and why are we going to be able to do that? Um, But first we have to read this passage, um, Luke chapter 10, 17 through 23. 
And let's just read it, and then we'll, we'll catch it and find out where we're at. It says, The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. He replied, this is Jesus, he replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, however, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. At that time, Jesus, full of joy, through the Holy Spirit, said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this was your good pleasure. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows who the Son is except the Father, and no one knows who the Father is except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Then he turned to his disciples and said privately, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings wanted to see what you see, but did not see it. And to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. Let's just pray. Heavenly Father, this morning we just want to ask that you might just open up your word to us. That Father, we might see something more of your beauty this morning. Father, I pray that you would speak through me. And that as we just open up this small passage of scripture, that we might learn and understand how we keep hold of joy. Father, in the circumstances and situations that aren't happy times in our life, that we are focused on joy. Father, help us, bless us now as we look together. If we ask these prayers in Jesus' name. Amen. So we've cut, I guess, into some dialogue, um, and we've sort of cut into a piece of scripture. So let's just get us up to speed. Jesus' ministry at this time is gaining momentum, and Jesus has followers. Aside from the 12 appointed apostles, the 12 appointed disciples, who believe that they're ready to share the good news, these 72 are in the same boat. They're absolutely ready, or they believe, to share the good news. But as we just have a look uh, back, uh, if you turn the page back over to the start of chapter 10, you get to see halfway through chapter 9, which is uh, titled in the NIV, The Cost of Following Jesus. Jesus has a moment with all of these people that are following him. It only tells us about the 72. Maybe the 72 were the 72 that remained after Jesus said, there's a cost to following me. Or maybe there were hundreds and only 72 remained. The Bible doesn't tell us. What it does tell us is that Jesus is very clear that what you're about to go into isn't going to be great. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to be the best thing you've ever done. In fact, you'll probably find that in your mortal self, in your humanity, it's going to feel like the worst thing you've ever done. But but the reward is far bigger and far greater than anything that this earth can give to us. Far bigger and far greater than we can achieve on planet earth. And Jesus says to them so clearly in verse 58 of chapter 9, he says, Foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And these followers must have thought, right, so we've got to give up our homes. Yeah. And then they say, well, they go on and say, but, you know, Lord, first I need to just go and bury my father. And Jesus says, that's not going to happen. 
let the, the dead bury their own dead. And what Jesus is saying is, look, the chances are, church, that his father wasn't dead yet. What he's saying is, let me get everything sorted. Let me get to a point where I'm then ready. And Jesus says, no, no, you're missing the point. And then one of them says um, about the fact that he needs to go and say goodbye to his family. And you think, well, that's like a reasonable request, isn't it? Seems reasonable, doesn't it? But what Jesus is painting the picture of is that, okay, but that's in front of what this mission is. And this mission isn't going to be easy. What I'm sending you out to do isn't going to be simple. And what I'm sending you out to do has to be very first and foremost in your life. It has to be number one. God has to be number one. I'm sure he wrote some commandments about that. And we failed them miserably, didn't we? He didn't give them to us so that we could adhere to them and go, yes, we've nailed it. What he did was give them to us to show us what? That we needed a savior. And Jesus here is saying to them, you are going out to spread the good news, to share the good news. You're going out into the towns and villages before me to proclaim that the Messiah is about to come so that they can understand all what life really is all about. And then it at that point brings us back to the dialogue but it's worth just pointing out verse 4 of chapter 10 sorry verse 3 if Jesus hadn't been clear enough to this point listen at this chapter 10 verse 3 go I am sending you out like lambs among wolves I don't know whether you've ever seen a lamb defend itself against a wool or a fox. Anybody ever seen that? Not so great. It doesn't end well for the lamb usually. In fact, it ends in quite a mess. And Jesus says that I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. Now, now I've painted the picture a little bit. You can perhaps imagine that there were hundreds and only 72 remained. Because at that, you would think, no. Okay, maybe this is not for me. And Jesus has to, if you like, winnow out the chaff as he throws the wheat up in the air and the wind blows the chaff away. He sent them out as lambs among wolves. And then we get this passage that we've read this morning and it picks it up in a very joyful situation or as I would read it, and I'm sure as you would read it. It says the 72 returned with joy. She must have been out there somewhere. Checking you're listening. The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. Even the demons submit to us in your name. Although it doesn't seem like Jesus is too impressed have you noticed what, go, what he goes on and says? At that, I would expect that Jesus would be like, wow, that's incredible. You guys are on point. You are on mission. They return with excitement, with joy, and demons submit to us in your name, Jesus. And he replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Verse 20, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you. And you read that and you sort of go, right? That doesn't make sense to me. What's Jesus doing? You see, church, you and I, 
as much as these, we have to be aware that we can come back joyful and excited and happy that somebody has accepted Christ as Savior. We can come back joyful and happy that we've had a victory in a very small moment. But tomorrow's coming. Tomorrow's coming. And it might not be that joyful. It might not be that happy. And we might find ourselves scratching our head and going, oh no, the enemy's won. We had that victory there and, and now all of a sudden God's left us and the enemy's winning and oh no. Listen to what Jesus says in verse 18 again. He says, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Church, they're rejoicing as they come back over a defeated foe. They're rejoicing in the fact that they have seen a victory. And God, Jesus is saying to them here, look, guys, he is a defeated foe. But be aware in the battle, he will have victories and you will lose. Yes, today you've won. Fantastic. But do not base your happiness and your joy in the moment because I can guarantee, I can guarantee that there will be a moment where all of our joy and happiness goes if it's based on our situations and circumstances. So what does Jesus teach them to do? Where does he teach them to put their joy? Not in the moment, not in the small victory, but rather in this. He says in verse 20, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Rejoice that your names are written in heaven. That is something to be rejoicing about. Because it doesn't matter what today throws at us. doesn't matter what tomorrow throws at us or the day after that. And in between those days, we might have a, a few hours of victory and think, yeah, we're winning. doesn't matter what's thrown at us because our focus is on something far bigger and far better. Jesus says to them, you're celebrating a defeated foe who is going to beat you at some point, whether it be just for an hour, whether he knocks you off your perch for a year, two years, six years, 20 years or more, you will find yourself defeated by the enemy. How? If you take your eyes off what's important. If you take your eyes off Jesus again, as we heard this morning in the breaking of bread. And he says, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you but rejoice that your names are written in heaven and church that's the absolute key for us the first point is that we're children of God the second point is that we will win and we will lose battles throughout our Christian walk and as we see there in this moment lambs among wolves We're fighting a defeated foe. And our joy is not based in happiness, but our joy is based in heaven. Our joy is based in heaven. Jesus is helping them at this point and is helping us this morning to look further, to see further. He was full of joy, as we read in verse 21, because he knew his mission. He knew that whatever the enemy was going to throw at him, he knew this. And this is a fact that we have to cling to this morning. 1 Corinthians 13, 13 says this, love never fails. Jesus knew that love never fails. And this morning we have to know that. 
We have to know that. I'm not talking about the earthly love that we have between us. I'm not talking about the love that even I have for my children or for my wife or that you have for your children or your wife, but far bigger and far better than that is a love that gives even when we don't deserve it. A love that gives that does not depend on us. A love that gives that says, here is my best for the very worst of you. Not just at the cross at Calvary, but every single day when we draw breath and God allows us to do that. Remember that. Because if we start to forget, we start to think that we're winning and we're on the happy time. And here we are with that. And God says, no, you need to listen. You need to listen and focus your joy in the fact that love never fails. I've already quoted Hebrews 12, verse 2 and 3 about Jesus. But also some verses which I know you'll know well. Let's have a look at James and chapter 1, just after Hebrews. Anybody going to learn the books of the Bible as we, uh, as we heard this morning in the rap? <laughs> Seems a little bit difficult. I'll turn to Hebrews. James chapter 1. James is a fantastic book that, uh, as I've mentioned before about James, he doesn't just give you a hug and say it's going to be all right. He gives you a hug, slaps you in your face and says it's going to be all right. And I don't know about you, but there are times that I need that hug, but there are a lot of times when I need that little clip round the ear that says, come on. And James says this in verse 2. He says, consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Okay. Counterintuitive, isn't it? Because you think to yourself, how can that possibly be? How can I consider it pure joy when I face trials of many, ta- uh, many kinds? You see, because we're thinking forward. It's a bigger picture, a better plan. There seems no joy in the immediate. There is no joy in any immediate trial, is there? Has anybody ever experienced that? Oh, today's a horrible day, but you. There's no joy in the immediate trial, but what we have to do is fix our eyes on something far bigger and far better. We have to cling to what we do know. And I preached about this a few uh, weeks ago, maybe even months ago, I forget and lose track of time. But we don't cling to what we don't know. We cling to what we do know. And it changes everything because I don't know what tomorrow brings. But what I do know is God's already there. I don't know what the outcome of this said trial or this said battle might be. I don't know what the outcome is, but I know that God does. And I know that he's never going to leave me nor forsake me. So in the moment when I think, Lord, where are you? I look back at his word and he says, I'm here. You're probably just not listening. Anybody else not a great listener? Don't put your hands up. Although it would prove that you were listening. Anyway. We fix our eyes on knowing what we do know, not panicking and flailing around in the dark at what we don't know. One of the best lessons that I I ever had was don't forget in the dark what you've learnt in the light. That's a, if you're a writer down, write that down. It wasn't me, it's passed on. (laughs) But don't forget in the dark what you've learnt in the light. Why is that so important? Because if the storms of life come about, you forget everything immediately. And you're knocked off your perch. And you go, I can't believe it. Where is everybody? What's happening? And you're flailing around. And we've forgotten, haven't we? 
We've forgotten in the dark situation what we've learned in the light, and we have to know the Word of God. We have to be rooted in the Word of God. So we're not focused on the immediate and trying to get happy and joyful from there, but rather our minds are set on things above. I don't know what you're planning, God, but I do know that you are planning for my good. Because why? Because I love you and you love me. I'll read that to you again. Lord, I do not know what you're planning, but I do know that you're planning for my good. How do I know that? Scripture tells me. Corinthians, uh, Romans 13, verse 12. And this is where our joy comes from. Because we know that God's in control. We want to be more like him. We want to have more joy in our lives. And then practically, if we want that to be the case, you know, these things take work. Anybody else want everything for nothing all the time? Oh, we're great at it, aren't we? Fast food. I want it now. Don't want to cook it. Don't want to wash the pots. Don't want to clean up. Don't want to have to do anything to do with it. I just want to eat it. If you could pass it through your bodily system for me, I'd be happier. And we get into that moment where we forget, but rather what we have to do, as James tells us, be doers of the word. How can we do the word? We do the word by knowing the word. And when we know the word, we can then do the word. Be ye doers, as it says in the authorized. Do what the word says. Don't just merely listen to it and go, you know what? Those verses were great this morning. You're probably not going to say that. But actually what you, what the Bible tells us to do, what James tells us to do, what Jesus tells us to do is to learn and to know the scriptures so that we can apply it. And in the darkness, we don't panic. In the victories and in the defeats, it doesn't change our outlook. Our outlook is that our names are written where? In heaven. And then when it says to us, what can man do to me? The answer is nothing. Nothing absolutely nothing how do i know because my name's written in heaven on oh, matthew you go you go matthew that's almost arrogant how can you possibly know because my bible tells me so that as i put my faith in the lord jesus christ as this young lad here has done i've accepted him as my savior which means one day i will see my savior face to face does not matter what you try to do, however you try to put me off, however many times you slap me and say Jesus doesn't love you, it will make not an ounce of difference because my salvation is secure in him. It does not depend on me. Amen to that. And this morning, we look forward with joy. Whether the situation in front of us now is good or is bad, God hasn't and will not change. Hebrews 13 and verse 8. I worship an unchanging God. He will not change. That means he will not stop loving me. Oh, just bask in that for a minute. He will not stop loving me and he will not stop loving you. And because of the cross, because of our faith in him, we will be with our Savior one day, the author and finisher of our faith. And that's joy. Amen? You know, this morning, I'm not going to finish there. I'm going to ask this, that whether you have accepted Christ as Savior. You know, maybe you've heard the gospel two, three, four, a thousand times. There comes a point in your life where you have to make the decision. 
where you have to say you are either for God or you're against him. And often we think, well, no, I I believe in God and yeah, I get the whole Jesus stuff, but it's just not for me. The Bible says you're either for him or against him. There isn't an in-between. And the gospel is simple. I don't need to prove to you about Jesus Christ. The history books will do that. The only thing that brings about any amount of faith, because also the history books tell us that this man Jesus seemed to somehow be around after he'd been killed. And there is no tomb to go and worship to. Anybody thought about that? Where's Jesus buried? Weird that, isn't it? And we have to have a moment in our lives where we cut away the nonsense and say, look, God, it would be great, but I don't understand this, this, and this. And until I get that, it's not happening. And God says, look, what more do I need to show you? Look around you. Creation speaks of him. Creation sings out his beauty. And we have an opportunity to come to the creator God. And the gospel is simple in that Jesus went to the cross to take away our sin and shame. He bore our sin and shame upon himself. And all we have to do is say, Jesus, I am sorry for the wrong things in my life. Come into my heart and change me. And that seems so simple. Yet for people, that can be the biggest barrier. How can I possibly say sorry? Because I feel like I've been good. The Bible says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And this morning, you have the opportunity to ask Jesus into your heart. And then from that point, questions will begin to be answered. Because your heart and your mind are in tune with each other. And we have an opportunity then to learn and to grow in Christ. If you've never done that and you'd like to ask the Lord into your life, if you'd like to know more about that and if you'd like to uh, have a few questions answered, then as I always say, come and see me. Come and ask. Nothing would bring me greater joy. And if you walk away from me going, Matt, you're an absolute moron and I don't want anything to do with you again, then that's okay. That's not going to stop me sharing the gospel. Because my joy is not based there. As we've seen this morning, my joy is based in heaven. Let's just pray, shall we? And ask that the Holy Spirit might move and might work and that lives might be changed this morning. That's what we're here for, church. We are here for that. To spread the gospel, to share the gospel. We have some great information, some great booklets around who Jesus is. Let's just pray. Heavenly Father, this morning we just want to thank you for all that we've seen. That, Father, that our joy isn't based in the immediate or in the circumstances. It's not happiness. But, Father, our joy is based in the fact that our names are written in heaven. That one day we will see our Savior face to face. And it isn't dependent on us, but rather dependent on all that your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, has done for us. That, Father, there on that cross, he defeated sin and death. Oh, and the joy, Lord, that one day we will be with you forever. Father God, again this morning, we just pray that if there are those in here that don't yet know you as Lord and Savior, Lord, that they might not feel pressured 
They might not feel awkward, but rather that they would feel that they have a decision to make. Father, we pray that they might be brave enough to come and seek and to find. And Father, we pray that as we always do, that your Holy Spirit would move and that lives would be changed. Father, we're here to spread your word. And we ask, Father God, that you might just bless us this morning, that you might encourage us, you might lift us up, that we might know full well that we've met in the presence of a living God. And as we just close in worship now, as we enjoy a time together in the living room, that, Father, you would just bless us richly. Father, that we might be a blessing to others. We ask all of these things in and through our Saviour's precious name, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. This has been a podcast by Hope Church Gainsborough. For more information, visit www.hopechurchgainsborough.co.uk.